Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Amy. Our project is called Mind, Body, and Soul, The Nature of Well-Being, and this podcast is just one small piece of the overall project. We are making a documentary that follows our hike on the Continental Divide Trail that will explore how spending time in nature affects a person's mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. We are guinea pigs in a sense because we will be documenting our own experiences and recording changes that we find. Along the way, we are interviewing people about their experiences in nature to see how they have been affected. Much of the benefits that come from being in nature are subjective and therefore hard to measure in a quantifiable way. That's why we have turned to recording stories as a way to distribute this knowledge. Since the beginning of human culture, we have compressed valuable information into stories, and that's how we have shared wisdom throughout the generations. We hope that the stories we gathered during this project will help spread some of the wisdom that can be found in the wilderness. Episode 9, Part 2 of 2, an interview with Dale Sanders about his world records. If you haven't listened to Part 1 of this interview with Dale Sanders, you'll want to pause and go back. You don't want to miss it. For part two, we will pick up right where we left off with Dale. So something that I've talked about with some other people on this trip is um, whether these adventures are a form of escape or not. Do you see see these adventures as a form of escape? Escape? Do I see the adventures as a form of escape? Yeah, they're, they're a form of escape. It gets me away from, you know, break the routine and get away and get out alone and don't have anybody telling me what to do and but it's not it's not the compelling reason that I get out and hike and boat but it, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's just a, another spin-off benefit so to speak okay yeah that's an interesting way of looking at it um, so what is the main reason that gets you out there then what is the main reason that... That gets you out doing these trips. What is the main reason that gets me out of the house doing these trips? Well, it's, pro- it's more than one. But let's see if I can pick the most important one. You know, naturally I'm concerned with my health. Uh, I, I try to live the three principles that I have live that type of life and but I think the real reason that I get out and do these is is not just to get away from home either it's not to get money because there's no money involved I'm not making any money unfortunately I have to say it's selfish I like the recognition I want to be recognized. And I think that goes back to being bullied again when I was uh, in junior high school and before that. Okay. It takes a lot of self-awareness to even recognize yeah. that. <laughs> I think it's that, that, that recognition that, I, that I'm getting recognitions for. After all, what does... Anybody that does these hard, difficult sports without any money, uh, amateur runner running the triathlon, what do they get? They not get, maybe they get some gear or something like I did, but no money. Why do they do it? 
Have you, have you had any decent answers other than selfish? No, not really. <laughs> and it's okay to admit that, I think, too. It's hard to admit it, yeah, because, you know, it's hard to admit that I'm selfish. That I'm, I want to have this feeling of, I'm really happy with this fact that I'm going to be in this video. You know, it makes, gives me a good feeling. Just happy to be recognized. Yeah. Did I answer that question? Yeah. Or did somebody else answer it better than I? That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I even asked the same question uh, before, so I haven't really gotten a, a different answer. Try it. Try it. Try asking Nimble Will, Bill Netterman, Billy Goat. That question. Yeah. See what they say. Why do you do this? One gallon. Why would you want to get out there and he is he 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 is one gallon is not only a hiker but he's a boater and a bicycler. He's probably got fifty thousand plus miles in all three sports or all three venues. Why does he do it? He gets he gets very little recognition. He gets very little. He didn't get any money. He gets very little gear support. He doesn't even, he's not even on Facebook. Why is he going out there and subjecting his body to all this torture every year after year after year after year? I asked him one time, are you going to see if you can break Verlin Kruger's paddle record? Verlin Kruger, you know, is, is a famous paddler that's paddled 100,000 miles in a canoe. He's even got a canoe named after him now. See? It's always it's got to be something personal. I think that's it has to be point. like yeah to do something so hard you need some sort of like internal yeah. drive. And in my case, that personal thing is recognition in the media. Okay, um, I actually noticed on your wall there are a lot of people that were paddling for something paddling for autism yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I, I paddle too, for, as I mentioned earlier, yeah, I paddle exactly. for juvenile diabetes. And that was, a, but I, I felt that I'm doing this, I might as well do something to help somebody out, to help some organization out, since I'm doing it anyway. And I'm still, when I, when I go out, I'm still, I'm still paddling for juvenile diabetes, JDRF. I'm not in a big fundraising campaign, but even in the AT, if anybody asked me why am I doing it, I would say for myself and juvenile diabetes is the reason I'm hiking. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you talk about being one with nature and how it's hard to describe, uh, do you think it can be described or does it have to be felt to be understood? It has to be... A, I can tell you one thing, it cannot be described unless you felt it. And when you feel it, you're going to know it. And then to describe that feeling that you know is there, that you are now one with, is, is, is what's so hard to do. But when, it, I guess in my case, it was so, my hiking was so fine-tuned, what I needed I only had in my backpack what I needed. I didn't have any 
nice to have comfort items. I had what I needed. And I found that and I was, I found what I needed in nature and it just all sort of, here I am in a bubble, sort of walking through that bubble all alone with everything I need. That's kind of, I guess I could explain it that way. It's really hard for me to put into words. I think it's hard for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then. I think I'm going to do that. Next time I hear somebody say, I want to be one, I was, I was one with nature. I want to say, can you explain to me what you just said? You're going to get a whole bunch of cliches, I think. Probably. Because that's yeah. the only way Not real about. thought out, yeah. Mine, in, in my case, I, I'm telling you, mine is thought out. I really have thought this thing, because, you know, when you're out there paddling for, for months and you're hiking for months, you got a lot of time to think. <laughs> and I've thought it out so much, because I knew I'd have these questions. Why are you doing it, you know? Why you subject yourself to all this physical punishment? Well, if I had one thing that I was saying to people, I would, I would, I got, a, I got a couple things I would like to say. What I would like to tell them, uh, but I, I think I cannot tell you how many times I was asked or told, I want to be just like you, or how can I be just like you when I get old? How can I stay healthy like you? So many times, and I, I, I had to come up with an answer to that question. How can I physically stay fit? What advice can you give me as a young hiker? What advice can you give me as an old hiker? And I came up with a, a, basically a statement that I can give. And I, in my motivational speeches, I always cover these three things. And those three things are, you have to learn how to live happy. No one can tell you how. There's no formula you can take and use to live happy. You yourself have to find the formula and live it to live happy. The second thing is you have to stay physical. You have to stay physical in physical activity indoors, but outdoor is preferred. You have a much better chance of warding off diseases and issues, health, health issues, if you stay active. And of course, the adrenaline of happiness along with the activity is really, really important to being healthy and fit. Right now I'm 85 years old and I'm as fit as I was at any time in my life. And the third thing is, if you really wanna be happy and that contributes to your physical as well, you have to have and live a good quality spiritual life. Now, I don't mean extremes on either end, but I mean a good quality spiritual life and find how to live with your maker. Find how to live 
and understand God. That is a big part of being one with nature is understanding that I am part of that. I am created. I'm here with as nature. I'm part of this whole cosmos of things. And with that good, positive, spiritual attitude. Now, those three things, if one can do those, they have a much better chance of living into their old age than anyone else. Now, notice I didn't mention food. Yeah, food's definitely important. And consumption of liquids as well. You don't want to, don't be an abuser of food, liquids, or drugs. I, I tell people, just stay away from hard drugs unless they're prescription drugs, totally. I, I, I tell people, yeah, you could drink a glass of wine every day or two, no problem. But you got to drink things in moderation. Now, I, I talked about the liquids first, because the food is, my opinion, that you take into your stomach is a lot more important than what you drink, as long as you drink in moderation. You have to eat food in moderation, too. You certainly don't want to overeat. That is a real big problem. And I've found when I'm out doing all this physical activity, I don't want to eat as much. Sometimes I have to eat because I don't, don't have an appetite. So that's a, there's a benefit to going out and paddling and hiking you don't want to eat as much. So you can lose weight right there to start with. But even when I'm not hiking, I, if I eat smaller amounts, eat a, I eat a variety of foods. I eat anything I want to eat. I just eat smaller varieties. I'm one of those people that if I go to a buffet, I'll probably take a little bit, teaspoonful of about everything on the table. There are a couple of dishes I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't eat balut. I wouldn't eat dog. And there's a few things like that. But most of the stuff I will eat. And then I get a good variety of foods. And I, I eat slow and chew it well. And enjoy a, it. I can eat less and enjoy it longer that way. And that includes meat. I don't see how. I've got many, several friends vegan friends, I don't see how they can, I don't see how they can get the ingredients they need to really live with the health and, and um, enthusiasm as well as explosive energy that they need with those diets. I don't just I don't see how they can do it. I don't think I could. So, and that's not saying that they're wrong. It's just saying that I can't do that. I need I need those proteins from meat. Yeah, no, I couldn't do it. I just wouldn't have the discipline yeah. not getting meat too much. <laughs> so, that's pretty much what I tell them. I'll elaborate a little bit more on the on the three things, which interesting enough is mind, body, and soul. If you look at it, uh, 
mind is living happy and body is staying physical activities outdoors preferred and soul is spirit to live a Christian or live a, a, a good quality spiritual life. Mm -hmm. All three right in what I've been preaching preaching. They're all three right in what I've been talking about in my motivational speeches for years. Yeah, I want to explore all those a little bit more because obviously yeah. that's... Take out the preaching. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so going back to happiness, you, you said you have to find a, a way to um, be happy like for yourself. Yeah, um, you have to find it. Nobody can tell you how to be happy. And it's, it's, it's really, it's it's... It's ironic that people can be unhappy for the weirdest, stupidest reasons. And they could, if they just look at it a little different angle, they could use that experience to make them happy. So could you talk about um, how does our society treat happiness? And uh, what does our society tell people they need to be happy? What does our society tell people they need to do to be happy? Well, it's, it's our society in the United States is a lot to do with, you know, commercials. I think commercials has probably ruined uh, several generations because it, it makes, it, it looks like that the society is telling people they need, they need money, they need stuff to be happy. And the happiest I've been in my life is when I had only essentials for life. And none of the stuff. Well, I have my cell phone with me because I wanted to, you know, record where I was going. This is my camera, this is, I do, do it, my computer, everything. Right here. Even the Mississippi River. Started with the Mississippi River. Yeah, that's all you need. Um, I really like that you say you have to find your own path to happiness because I think one thing that society does is that it tells everybody that they need the same things to be happy. And it's like there's no encouragement no. of like finding your yeah. own path. No, you have to, to be happy, you've got to find your own path. There is no question about it. And that path very well and probably will take you out into a situation to where you are living with what is naturally there and having with you only the very essentials. So if, if somebody wants to find their path to happiness, what would your advice be? How do they go about finding it? Well, in my case, I started getting happy in high school when I went and got into acrobatics again and got pretty good at Acrobatics, tumbling. I, I was pretty good. I got out of high school. I joined the circus. That was terrible life, though. I, I don't want to get in that. I, I, I got out of the circus. After a few months, I left. That was not my style of living. But that's when I started the understanding that I had to find my own way. Is, is an early age. And I think that I, it, it, 
to, I, I think the hiking is, the boating helped me also find my own way, but the hiking experience is the one that really, really opened the, opened the door to me to, to see where happiness really lies. So why hiking? How did, why was that a little bit better for finding, why was hiking a little bit better than paddling? I, I think it, it took me, because I was hiking alone and I wasn't paddling alone on the Mississippi River. And I, I think I had to get with, get in deep in my heart, my thinking, I had to be alone because when I was paddling the Mississippi River, I was always talking to one of the, the film crew that was filming me or the two guys with me were talking to me or hearing their stories. I was never able to get into myself. That's not, that sounds selfish, but that's, I think you find happiness through selfishness. I didn't, I wouldn't, actually, I was probably better with other people when I'm happy. Because when I'm happy, I'm, I'm even though it was selfish to find it, then I became, when I got, found it, then I made everybody around me happy. So, even though it was selfishness to find it, it turned out to be good for those around me. Yeah, that's, that's something that I've come to realize in the past couple of years. Because um, I see a lot of people, especially a lot of people in my generation, they have good intentions and they want to fix the world and they want to make things better, but they are a wreck themselves. Like yeah. their personality is not developed, they have no character. And yeah. all they want to do is help the world, but you can't help the world until you until you help yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then if you, if that's if you want to attach a label to it, helping yourself is selfish. Do it because attach the label, find a way, get happy, then you will make the real contributions to the world. But you got to have, you, and that's something that nobody, as I mentioned already, I mean, I really emphasize that. That has to be done by the individual. Nobody can come up with a formula. Nobody can tell you how to do that. You got to get out, and the only way to do it is to get out and get away from the from the from the influence of the environment, of the influence of what's going on around us in a structured society is get out of that a while now i'm not i'm not saying going out and live like a hermit but it's nice to go back and forth between the two that's when you start really realizing the benefit of them of both lives i kind of live two lives you know I, I actually when hiking the appalachian trail and moving the in the turnkey pro, trade program moving the vehicle along with me I was able to live two adventures at the same time. Not only was I living an adventure of the trail, but I was living an adventure of getting my vehicle up to the trailhead where we're gonna to hike tomorrow through the communities, seeing the communities, museums, sites, and things like that. So I had a road trip. I did a road trip and a hiking trip all the same trip. That's a terrible, terribly good benefit benefit to be able to do that. A lot of people don't understand the benefits of, I think that eventually the older community will understand, especially older hikers, will understand that 
the trade key program is probably one of the best things that they will experience in their entire adventure life. I only just learned about that. I didn't even know what that was until you explained it. It's a cool idea. Like yeah, it's, it's a fantastic idea because if you got to have at least two people and you can do it with one vehicle. You have to have two people, but you, you, you can do it with one vehicle. It's just more driving for that one vehicle, but it's ideal is at least two. It can be there four, you know, two people in each vehicle, but two is ideal. It got what it is. We camped here, both vehicles. You camped, stayed in one. I slept in my vehicle because I'd been in the vehicle. The, the, the guy was with me in his truck. He put up in the woods, he put a hammock up. Next morning, I could get up when I wanted to get up. I mean, I didn't have to depend on him to get up at the same time I did. I'd get up usually before dark. I'd be walking under the headlight for an hour to get to my destination. He gets up when he wants to. He gets my vehicle because he's got my key. He takes it up to where we're going to hike to that day, the end of the day. He leaves my vehicle there. He locks it. He starts hiking back to his truck, which is still down where we camped. We pass in the middle of the trail. We trade keys. Well, in fact, we had duplicate keys, so we didn't. Because sometimes you might be off in the woods and you not know when you pass. You don't want to take that chance. Because if you pass, you have no key. So just have duplicate keys. But anyway, you call it trade key. So we trade keys. He's hiking to his vehicle. I'm hiking to mine. When he gets to his truck, he drives around, comes over here. We camp it, and we do the same thing again the next day. It's logistics. You have to have good maps to be able to find the trailhead down that you want to go to. You, you, sometimes you might have to hike 25 miles. Some days you might have to do 14 miles because there's nothing in between 14 and 25. I've had to hike as, as slow as 12 miles. I've had to do as high as 25 because there was nothing in between. And then sometimes, sometimes, like on the Florida Trail, some examples going through some of the wilderness areas, you wouldn't think this in Florida, but sometimes we would have to carry our camping gear with us and sleep on the trail because it could nothing, there was no roads for 35 miles. And you can't, I couldn't do 35 miles in one day. So I'd have to camp and go another day. That's but it's, it, it, because it has two adventures all wrapped up in one, it's really a great experience. Yeah. Um, I think when we talked on the phone, you had told me about how when you were hiking that your heart rate was more regular. Yeah, I'm on, I have, I take, I take three medicines. I take eye drops for glaucoma, but I can't get off of that. I have to take that. I have to take my drops every day. And I take uh, 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 something for my cholesterol, and I take a heart high blood pressure medicine. But when I'm on these adventures, especially hiking, I have to get completely off my medications because I'm not, I'm not having a cholesterol problem, so I don't need that medicine. And my heart rate is up and down so much that it gets sort of stables out on its own, and I don't need my heart pressure medicine. Now that's in my case. I can't say this be the same for everybody. But in my case, I don't have to, after a couple of weeks on the trail, I don't have to take my medicine anymore. Another benefit. <laughs> uh, so how does your 
body feel physically when you're on the trail versus off the trail? Oh, I, I sleep perfect at night. I don't have any trouble sleeping. I feel when I'm not hurting because of an accident or something or, you know, just simple overuse, I feel great. I, I, I have learned, though, because I had a whole life of physical activity pretty much, from competitive spearfishing all the way through, that I can pretty well tell when I'm overworking a joint or a muscle and I find ways to relax it. And I work my way through problems, physical issues, by, by simply keeping going, but find a way to move. Instead of moving this way, or instead of moving this way, I might start moving this way, you know. So change up the pattern and work my way through it, and I come back stronger than ever on the other side. So would you say that this has put you more in touch with your body? Uh, yeah, I'm more, a lot more in touch with my body. That's, there's no question when you're out doing this physical stuff, when you're carrying with you basically only what you need, you have to be in touch with your body because you've got to be able to predict in advance what the body needs. And that's what you got. And you don't have anything else. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. Yeah. I can, just from walking, I can feel in my legs or my muscles, I can feel what's tight, what might need to be stretched or... Yeah. Now, if I know when I'm not getting enough water because I start getting cramps. I've learned little things like that. If I have cramps at night, I didn't have enough fluids that day. If I get enough fluids, I don't have cramps. Yeah, it, there's some sort of advantage to just be able to feel your body and to know what's going on in there. Um, yeah. Well, I, I've got 80 years, uh, 85 years now experience and uh, feeling my body and understanding what's going on in there. Too, and the younger folks that don't have all that experience, so a lot of things that's unknown to them, it's happening to their body. They simply don't have enough experience to know what's going on. A lot of, a lot of people do figure it out young, though, that, uh, that it takes that positive attitude to live happy, and it takes that physical activity and cap it off with a spiritual life to be able to understand what's going on mm -hmm. in your body and in your mind. You're, actually, my mind on these trails that comes gets healthier. I, I you know I'm 85 and I, I, I you know hey I forget things nowadays, but I think my mind is much healthier because I have done a lot of these physical activities. Every year I do some big thing after 80. And I think that that physical activity has also paid dividends by keeping my mind healthy as well. Yeah, all three of these things are interconnected, it seems like. Yeah, they're definitely interconnected. Mm -hmm. No question, the physical and the mental body is definitely connected. Hey, girl, come here. Come here, girl. Come on. Come on over here. Come on, girl. Come on over here. Hi, little girl. Hi, you doing? This is Bailey. This is my. You're gonna go on the trail with me next year, huh? You're gonna be my trail mate. Oh. <laughs> I used to raise American Eskimos and uh, show them. I used to show American Eskimos. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, my dog uh, Blazer. 
won best of show at the national championships. Really? In 1994, I think it was. He was the national champion best of show. Oh, wow. In UKC. Yep. American Eskimo. So that, I don't even know anything about that. That's a, the Showing? dog shows where they're, they run them through that little obstacle. Where you walk oh. around the ring and the judge feels them up and everything. Yeah. Okay. She is a show dog, too. You a show dog girl, huh? Let's go a little bit deeper into the spiritual side of what you explained earlier. Um, so obviously you're a Christian. How does that kind of play into your belief system about the human spirit? Well, obviously it's, it's one of the three important things. That spiritual life is one of my most three important things there are in, for us to do in order to be happy and healthy. Uh, but deeper than that, there's when you when you really start understanding that we are here on Earth, not not by chance, not by evolution, but by design. And then you start looking at what does that all really mean. And then you start looking at DNA studies and understanding how DNA, I did a lot of reading and research in that area, how DNA is, is, is really the blueprint that created us. And it made me start, I had a lot of time to think, you know, on the boat and the trail. It made me start thinking that maybe there's more to life than our five senses can pick up. You know, we can only we only know what we can taste, smell, see, hear, and feel. And if it's outside that realm, five things, we don't know what's there. So I don't see how anybody could be an atheist because they, they don't know. They don't, what they don't know, they don't know. I can maybe understand why agnostics can say, because they're not sure one way or the other. But I would not, I cannot be agnostic anymore because becoming one with nature has pretty much, I couldn't have been there with, without something having put me there and something controlling me, or something, not controlling me, but something that's created me. And it, it, it built me, it, it has the blueprint right in my DNA. So do you think that maybe we have more than five senses? I think maybe, I think there might be hundreds. <laughs> we know there are radio waves and we can't detect that. There's plenty of proof of things that are happening around us because we're able to science and technology, we're able to detect that are out there that we can't detect. So what's to say they're not more? And what's the, why are they there if they weren't put there for a purpose, for a reason, by something or someone or some society? Something, it's just, 
for anyone to say our five senses is it, there is nothing else. It's ludicrous. We already got, the, as I say, we already got the proof, radio waves. We have no idea that radio waves are traveling through this room right now. But they are. We can't detect it. But our sound waves also traveling through this room. But we got ears. You know? There are light waves traveling through this room. But we got eyes. Smell. Taste. Feel. I can feel the air. But there's so much out there we don't even know exists. And that's where I think to say there is no God is ludicrous. It's just denying. I think it's, it might have a lot to do with acceptance. A lot of, you know, I, I, a, a lot of people, a lot of my hiker friends are Christians. A lot of them are, are, are religious. But a lot of them aren't. And I've gotten ridiculed by the ones that aren't. Even in hard copy books, hard, big time, I've gotten ridiculed. But they, they, don't, they haven't experienced what I, they shouldn't do that. Because they have not experienced the life that I've had. They don't know what I'm looking at, what I'm feeling. I but, picture that as like a colorblind person making fun of a person who can see color or seeing color. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't know. Don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, one theory or kind of idea is that people a long time ago, thousands of years ago, used to be much more in touch with this spiritual thing, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, because they didn't have the, con the contamination of society and the creations of society around them that contaminated their lives. They were more in nature, more one with nature than we are now, that's for sure. And as I said earlier, I would have never been able to be one with nature if I hadn't known God. Um, what do you think God is? How do you, how do you picture that? This is where my wife would uh, jump all over me, but uh, <laughs> I think God is the creator, creator of the universe, the universe, and He is He is that something that's beyond our ability to even explain that something could exist and be that powerful to be able to create the universe. The physical universe we know is beyond that. He's in another realm of senses beyond us. So far beyond us we can't even comprehend what it, what he is and what he does. It's, you, we can't even hardly comprehend the magnitude of the cosmos much less something controlling that created that. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Do you think um, nature and God are the same thing? I, I think that God is everywhere. He is in nature as well. And we can't it's, it's difficult to explain, but it could be expressed that way and, and be accurate in my way of feeling that God is in nature and nature is God. It could be. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that's a fact because, again, it's so far out of my realm of ability to understand. 
what, where did I come from? That goes back to where did I come from? So I was floating through the cosmos to get here before I was born. I believe, I really believe that my body was in my, my mother's womb, in her stomach. My body was within my mother, but I didn't have a spirit. I believe that spirit is what I remember coming in to my body. Okay. I, 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 I don't, people are going to say, you, you, you just pull, you just, that's a bunch of, bunch of bullshit. They're going to say all kinds of things about that statement I just made, but, but I'm saying it from my heart. I really believe that. I really feel that. Yeah, who cares what they say? <laughs> that's, what, that's what your beliefs are. Yeah, I, I really, I really and truly feel that I think of it right now and I've thought of this hundreds of thousands of times my whole life. I could still see myself out there traveling. I don't know how I was traveling, but coming through something that looked a lot like the nebula of the space and, and coming and getting and the next thing I knew I was in a body. I was me. I really, really honestly feel that maybe I was given something special there that I have a feeling that no, not many people have had that type of experience to feel that way. I've never, this is the first interview I've ever talked about that like that. I've talked about it before with friends and my wife and people, but never in an interview. And my mind is so clear. I, I remember my mom carrying me when I was very young and nursing when I was very young. This one incident is all I remember where we, it was a road, we had a bump in the road and we had to walk on a little thin, narrow piece of dirt to keep from falling off each way at the farm. And I remember her carrying me and I was nursing down that little narrow path on the field on this side and the road on this side. And that's the only thing I remember that far back. That's as far back as I can remember uh, uh, after birth. Uh, we, and I know that was a long time ago because we we took that dirt, we changed, the, we cleaned up the road and leveled it out when I was about six years old. So I know it was it was before that. So it, it was well before that. It's probably I was probably around two or three years old. She probably nursed me until I was two years old. I was little. I was easy to carry. Hey. That's a long ways back. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that um, it sounds like you're, for whatever reason, you were able to retain these memories. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Why me? Why was I able to retain some of those memories? Like just... But, but they're definitely they're, they're there now. I, I'm not, I didn't manifest these things. So it's been my whole life. I've been holding on to these things. And, rejuvenating my thought, you know, to, so I can hold on to it.
And I really believe that the physical activity has helped me keep my mental capacity. And it, I'm just hoping that it will help me on into my 90s to keep my mental capacity to function in society into my 90s. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why that I will be out on the trail or something this summer, 2021. So, you know, yeah, that's one of the reasons, but still it goes back to that main reason is, is selfish. I'm just a selfish, we all are selfish. Just have to admit it. Everything we do, we do things because we personally want to, we personally want to do it. And if we personally want to do something, then it, that's selfish. We're going to do it, whether it hurts somebody else or not, we're going to do it. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to go out and kill somebody, but it, you know, you might, somebody might get hurt if we take a vacation off from work and we're gone for two weeks and somebody else has got to take a job on while we're gone, but so they get hurt. So we're selfishly, we're gone on our vacation. I did have a, in college, I did have a, a psychology class one time and they went into that selfishness, what is self. I, I argued with the professor that I wasn't selfish why I did that. By the time, I, time that year was over, he had me totally convinced that we everything we do is selfish. I guess the goal is to be selfish in a way that's also helping other people because you could do both a lot of the time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully you yep. could just um, cause the least amount of harm by being selfish. Like you said, when you're happy, you make other, other people happy. Um, so that's a good reason to be yeah. selfish. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if I make people around me happy, I'm happy. I tell you right now, keeping a positive attitude is really, really important in all stages of life. That's the reason I hate negative politics. I hate it. That's all there is, pretty much right now. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all we got mm -hmm. is negative. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to come back to bite, come back to bite the nation, I can tell you. Yeah, it already is for sure. Yeah. I, I just see so much fear when I'm out in public. There's, there's so many people that are afraid. And I think that's a side effect of that. Yeah. For all kinds of different things. Well, I got my dog. I've got my little ba Bailey. Bailey. I got my little Bailey. And is she going to go with me on my adventures this year? Okay, girl? Huh? I love dogs. I think she loves you. And she loves me, too. Don't you? You love me? Huh? You love me, girl? You love me? Huh? <laughs> Yeah. You want some candy? You want some candy? Candy? Ooh, she does very Candy! Nice. <laughs> candy! Candy! Here you go. Yay! <laughs> Could you describe 
This might be hard to do. Could you describe the average thru-hiker that you met on the AT? <laughs> the average thru-hiker uh, that I met on the AT, well, first of all, they were probably in their 20s, the average. Uh, however, the demographics are changing. Uh, more and more older people, retirement age people, are hiking the AT. Uh, nowadays, but I, I, my greatest fear, literally, my greatest fear that I had to before I started hiking the AT was, will I be accepted in that 20s young culture? Or will they reject me as just an old, you know, an old dirty old man? Well, I not only was accepted, but I was embraced. I was taken in just as one of them. Age was not a factor. It was really, that was really a good feeling as well. Now that was, you talking about, that helped uh, a lot with my attitude because now here suddenly the young people are my friends and they love me and they're not criticizing me. They're not bullying me. They're just, another hiker that just loves nature like I. And we just blend together. Age, really, literally, only 18, not only me, but I think all the hikers, age doesn't really matter anymore. Don't matter if you're not, if you're 17, just got out of high school, or if you're 65 and just retired. You're all the same. You're an 18 hiker, through hiker. I got off the track a little bit, but... <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, someone else that I talked to told me that nature was kind of like the, the great leveling. Like it brings everybody down on the same... That's a plane. perfect way to put it. I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have the words from somebody else in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, talk about the, like the trail family and how does that form and why is it so strong and how does it happen so quickly on the trail? Why does it happen so quickly? It does happen quickly. You become a trail family real quickly. Uh, real quickly means, you know, within the first month. The first, you know, week or two, it's not that way. It's kind of, you know, everybody's sort of doing their own thing and they're not talking much. But then they start living, the, I think the living of the, the common, the common lifestyle that everybody has. We're all doing pretty much the same thing. And they sort of get together in groups to help survive, you know, to help with everything, help with being able to go and get supplies. It helps to have groups, it just helps. And you just sort of become a member of that group and your past life doesn't have anything to do with it. Your age has nothing to do with it. The Whether you're handicapped or you're male or female, it has nothing to do with it. It's all you become one working unit to one common goal. And that happens pretty quickly on the trail and it stays and becomes even stronger as the further you go. Is that a way of expressing yeah. that? Um, so did you ever talk to other people on the trail about why they were out there? Yeah. You'd be surprised how many of them can't answer it. I, I, I intentionally tried. Why are you hiking? I did that, I took an experiment. I did that 
couple of days, I asked everybody I've come across, why are you hiking? Half of them couldn't even answer it. I started doing the same thing here with the boaters, paddlers coming through Memphis. Why are you paddling the Mississippi River? Uh, I don't know. No, I even added one of the things I want them to say on the wall is, why are you paddling the Mississippi River? And some of them, you'd be surprised at how many of them before they can sign the wall have to think and figure out why they're doing it. I can show you some examples of what they said. Yeah, I'm going to get some shots of those. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably kind of similar to explaining the being one with nature thing. It's like a thing that you feel more than like consciously understand. Yeah. So you're following a feeling maybe more than anything? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how to add to that, but yeah, you're right. Um, did you get any answers? Did any, was anybody able to tell you? <laughs> did I get any what? Did you get any answers about why people were out there? Oh, many times I would get answers. I'm, I'm paddling for, uh, for veterans, uh, disabled vet veterans, or I'm paddling for raising money for cancer research. That's the most common one, by the way. And many people, but many people hadn't thought it through though. You, most of the older people are paddling for a reason. Not one father and son, well, I'm paddling to give my, to have an experience with my son, you know, so we be get closer together. That was their reason. Um, young people, a lot of times, they don't know or they're not able to pull it out of their heart. They probably know, but they don't, they're really not able to express it, why they are out there paddling or hiking. It seems like everybody's searching for something out there. Yeah. And yeah, maybe they don't know what it is or they don't even know that they're searching, but it, it kind of seems to all be so similar in that way. <laughs> yeah. I know I definitely was. Uh, <laughs> hmm. What does the average American think about the human soul? What, if you start talking about soul, what does the average American well, think? Well, you know, I'm 85 years old. When, you know, 80 years ago, 70 years ago, 60 years ago would be one answer. Today would be another answer. Because I think we're getting, our society, our, our country is, we're getting further and further from a spiritual uh, influence on our daily life. It's just not there like it was when I was growing up. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid that, that I'm afraid that one of our past presidents said we're not a Christian nation anymore. I'm afraid he was. I'm afraid he was right. I'm afraid we're not a Christian nation anymore. We just don't have enough people that are believers and to keep the uh, to keep the the thought to keep the uh, the faith alive. Um, I, I feel I fear, I fear for our nation because once that happens, then I'm afraid that we're going to be abandoned. I'm afraid that God has so many examples in the Bible of where he uh, would abandon people that were just hopeless.
And if that happens to the nation, the United States, if God abandons us because we're hopeless, we're done. We're toast. We may last a few more years, but that's not very many more. We're gone. We're done. We, I, 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 think, I don't see any way this nation can survive uh, without, without God and, and Christ through, and God through Christ. What do you think our nation holds sacred? What does our nation hold sacred? What do we believe in? What does our nation hold sacred? Uh, unfortunately, I think the controlling powers of our nation hold what they hold sacred is power itself. And that in itself is is not a friendly to a development of a, a working society. So um, um, that, that it's all in the negative politics as an example, it's all manifesting itself in, in things like the negative politics. And so many things are being manifested and happening to us in the form of uh, controlling us more than anything else. And just look, there's so, so many words I can't even say anymore. We don't have freedom of speech anymore. There's so many phrases and words I can't say. There's no freedom there anymore. And I, I think that's all happening because our leaders, are, our government simply will not recognize that we are here because God put us here. We're not here to give them power. We're not here to, so they can be the dictators of society. I, I don't know what to say. So I think that's why people who do these sorts of things come up with all of these really kind of profound uh, revelations because they're in touch with the way that people used to live. And um, yep. yeah, our society is definitely lost that and like you said even back in the 60s or whatever we were closer to that than we are now oh yeah and i think that has a lot to do with um See, i was uh i was in high school before we even got a television okay <laughs> we didn't even have electricity until i was in high school we didn't have an inside toilet until i was in high school yeah that shows how fast things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> Big change, yeah. Uh -huh. And we, we seem to think that there are no consequences to all this stuff, to having all these conveniences of just electricity and TV and even social media and all that kind of stuff. We seem to just kind of just go along without questioning, like, what effect is this having on us? Um, yeah. And certainly our leaders are not thinking about what's happening to us. Or they maybe it's so big and overwhelmed that they can't do anything about it, even if they do think about it. It's just I think we're to a point to where we're rolling downhill in a barrel that cannot be controlled. I just 
The barrel is just too, you can't get out of it. It's too tight. It's too strong. It's too, too much speed. But that seems to be what's happening to our nation now. And it's all, I think, because we're getting away from God. You know, if we, well, interesting, if we make a society based on the laws, based on the Ten Commandments, you know, that would probably be a pretty good place to live. <laughs> we keep things simple. <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah, don't complicate it. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you that that's, that's kind of why we're seeing this disconnection is because we're kind of getting away from God or spiritual life or whatever you want to call it. Um, but when you tell people that they have to go back in touch with God, that's it's not really a popular message these days. <laughs> no, it's not popular at all. So, yeah, if you say you're going to have to start reading the Bible and go to church and get God in your life, you turn, the door closes. So that's actually why I'm focusing on nature, because I think yeah. nature can give you a lot of this. Nature thing. gets you there. It just happens in nature, automatic. You don't have to. It just does. I think. I, I think that a lot of the hikers, a lot of them. If they're not Christian, they become spiritually inclined from the hike itself. And that, they have to find it, though. They have to find it themselves. You know, if somebody goes and tries to tell them about it, like you mentioned earlier, they tell them about God, they, the young people especially, they shut off, shut off, right off. And our colleges and universities, our media, our way of life has contributed to that downfall. All three of those things. Yeah, it, I'm conservative. I'm proud to say I'm a conservative Christian. Even that can get you into trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I said I said on Facebook, and they I get all kinds of hate comments. Yeah. I'm not really sure why that happened or why that came from. I, I don't know why they have to be so hateful to people who are, admit they are spiritual. But they, there's some driving force that causes them to want to, to attack the good of the Christian life. You know, there's really basically two things. It's either good or bad. And they both are fighting each other all the time, not only at our level, but at God's level as well. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that the bad is, is winning out. And you know why I say that? Because Christians have a lot more Uh, Christians have a lot more uh, people that are spiritual uh, have a lot more um, acceptance to setting up parameters of rules and regulations and living within those rules and regulations for the benefit of not only themselves but the society. Uh, Lion is an example. They try not to lie to hurt people. 
where in the bad side, they have no laws, no regulations. It's like playing Monopoly with no rules for them. And we have the rules, but they have no rules. So who's going to over... I'm afraid that that's going to tip the balance and that barrel is going to keep rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you don't have rules, you are much less restricted, so you can kind yeah, of do yeah. whatever you want. It, it, no, no rules and no bound, no rules. Lying is okay. We have no rules. To where, if I was, you know, I don't want to lie, bold faced lie. And I, I used to, I, when I used to be a, a liberal, and I would lie if I thought it would make me look better or something. I finally realized there's no need. That don't make me look better to lie. And I feel a lot better about myself when I can tell the truth. That's what I kept saying to you, that I really do, in my heart, feel these, that I can remember these things. You know, I, I feel that I, I'm really, it's not, I'm not lying to you. I really believe those things. Yeah. So nature has taught me that short-term sacrifice means long-term gain. You know what? That's a good way to put that. Has you, have you heard, is that your thinking or someone has tell you that in an uh, interview? I just kind of arrived at that just from my experience. Yeah. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, so, very good way to put it. Nature is a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. Yeah. And we, we have exactly opposite of that right now in, in our culture. And I think that's where a lot of our problems are coming from, yeah. is that mentality. Maybe we could end with, uh, what is your biggest priority in life? That's really a tough question. I've never been asked that one before. What are my biggest priorities in life? Staying healthy and old age. That's, I think that if I was gonna put one at the top, it would have to be st to stay healthy. And that's another reason I, I, I hike, you know, in boat, because it's one of, the, one of the other reasons. It's not as high as selfishness, but it's high on the list. I hike and boat to help me stay healthy. I'd say you're doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> well, it, it's no question about it. It does contribute to it. No question about it. But 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 if I had to lay out one priority for life, as to what is most important to me is to be able to stay healthy until for years to come. All right. Anything else you want to say? Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you interviewing me and your approach to what you're going to be doing with this, this film is something that I have never seen done before. Mind, body, and spirit uh, treated and dealt with in one video production. And I can tell you one thing, because of the people you are interviewing, the people you are seeking out that are long-term experienced, recognized, accomplished hikers. And you're seeking those people out to get their input for this film that you're going to be producing is extremely important because they have, a, there's a lot of history there. When they die, it's going to be gone. But because you're seeking out all these 
old timers, these old recognized hikers, these old adventurers that have been around and for a lifetime. They've done things that nobody else even dreamed of doing a few years ago. You're seeking those out and you're trying to find them and you're going to document what they have to say about, about their life and their place in, in this world, in this universe, in nature. And you're going to have a historical document there that I believe is going to make you famous when you get old. I believe it's going to be that important. It has, but you have to create a good one. It has to be well done. The editing process. You've got to have a document that tells a story at the same time. You've got to have a document that deserves it. But if you can do that, if you can create a document that preserves to be, that because of its quality, deserves to be protected and passed on, the message that that's going to pass on is going to be even better for future generations to come. Yeah. If that means anything to you. Totally. The, the more I dig into this, and the, the farther I go into this project, the bigger it gets. Bigger it gets. And yeah, yeah I'm starting that, to... That's what, with anything you delve, you're young. Mm -hmm. But anything you do in life is exactly that. The deeper you get into it, the bigger it gets. Yeah, it's. I actually feel like it's out of my hands at this point, and I'm just... I know what the path is and I just need to like do it. <laughs> well, when you start feeling like that, it's out of your hand, you said, that's when you're starting to get it. Yeah. That's what happened with the Hey Duke movie. It was yep. the first project where I felt that. That's when you're starting to get it. Mm -hmm. When the chips are down, that's when you start really producing things. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the, when the chips are down is when you can really make things happen. That's, that's when, when the chips are down is when you're about ready to break through and get something good accomplished. Mm -hmm. I've had, I cannot tell you how many times in my life when I would be right at the point of, I can't do it. It's impossible. I would break through to the other side. And that, I don't know, it's just something about that, that, that helps you break through and get to that next level. But you're gonna break through a lot of levels and when you break through each of those levels, remember you're at that level already and nobody else is there. You're there alone. But what you're going to create is worth it for society. Definitely, yeah. I see a huge need for it, that's for sure. I can see big things happening in your life, my friend. I'm trying to stay out of my own way at this point. Just stay out of your own way yeah. and let it happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Then head over to our YouTube channel called Wilderness Mindset, where you'll find a lot of videos that have similar themes. <laughs>